Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk All right, here we are. Welcome, welcome, Anima Noara. Good to see you. Hey, Frater. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you reached out on, uh, on my Instagram because you reached out, I believe, as a European and as a left-hand path practitioner I think the words Satanism and black magic were thrown about in the early right away. And yes, uh, you mentioned I, I, the... I subscribe to all of those terms in, in various ways. Yeah. And you uh, asked if I'd had many uh, people from that perspective on or from Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, no. Um, so let's do it. And I'm excited. Thanks for being here. Me and too. I love, your, I love your background. That's really awesome. That's my live streaming background. It's it's actually just like a goth poster from Killstar, which is a famous West Coast gothic brand. But the thing is, they design those things so well that they actually contain a lot of legend occult symbolism. And like there is like a spell woven into it. Um, so, you know, there's there's more than meets the eye sometimes with, with fashion and art. Oh, I think that's one of the coolest things about occultism actually isn't it i mean certainly it's it's part of leading the rev it's leading the revolution in in many ways is the the fusion of magic and art um i mean this the talisman selling coming back is something we haven't seen in a while um you know certainly not in mainstream culture people actually spending hundreds of dollars for a a talisman and that's now becoming it's quite, commonplace just as yeah. psychic readers and it's become accepted in society even like fashionable glamorous maybe on our west coast you're in san francisco right i'm in vancouver let's be aware of our bias i'm I, i'm in las vegas actually <laughs> oh you're in vegas I spent, I spent most of my life in in eastern europe in, in prague in czech republic so um yeah, i'm a transplant you're- here but i already I'm naturalized in some ways. Jesus, you're actually from Prague? 
Yes, I spent oh, wow. like most of my life there. Wow, yeah. Um, I've spent a good amount of time there. Um, yeah, it was last time I was there, I was staying with the ambassador from Peru. It's a place, it's a place that draws a lot of like spiritual pilgrims, occult tourists. It's because of the heritage. Yeah. It's just, you know, written there in every wall. And I grew up surrounded by it. So, you know, my father was an occultist. He was an astrologer. He he used to hang out with the surviving occultists who remained despite the communist persecution and, and the Nazi persecution. So he learned astrology from them. And I was, I was exposed to spiritualism, um, you know, ever since I could read and write and, and talk. My, my parents were both kind of spiritual seekers. And then I was exposed to the mystical traditions, for example, in the form of legends. You know, everybody knew the ghost stories, like every, every house there has a has a ghost story there's like strange artifacts the legends that's one of the first things that you would learn as a child so i kind of you know like i grew up surrounded by what would be cosplay or role playing for most people in most parts of the world yeah yeah um last when i was just there before i mean the world you know changed um 2019 yeah they even let me up into D's, the Kelly's top tower part, like the, with the windows all around. The, the, I have, I have been it's often there. locked, right? But it was open. So she's like, go ahead, go up. So I went up there and did some Enochian work right away. And, uh, wow. and uh, it started a, a long, it started a couple of weeks of really interesting well, experience. You know, Vincent Bridges, the American occultist who helped to design the Museum of Alchemy in Kelly's tower, he was actually my mentor. For a number of years before he died and uh, he considered himself to be a reincarnation of magister kelly which is something that's been substantiated by a bunch of people who were all flocking to him and who seemed to remember these events um, as well it was a, it's a very strange place cursed place lots of tragic destinies there um, and the museum itself it's really well done and like the Faustian legend in Prague, I recommend everybody to check it out. Both of the museums of alchemy in Prague, the other one is on the other side of the river. And it's actually a archeological uh, uncovered 1600s alchemical laboratory, which was connected via secret corridors with the castle because the king was at the time a big patron of the dark arts. So they all flocked to Prague. So you know, like that, it, the stuff is real. If you if you grow up surrounded by this, um, you know the stories of Rabbi Lev, the big Jewish Kabbalist magician who created um, an artificial human being, the Golem. Um, then then you know all the occult writers from the era of Romanticism, poets. Even even painters, you know, like I, I was educated classically in a, in a Catholic environment. So I was exposed to to all of this. You could even say that I grew up in like an enclave, like a ghetto, but not like of the criminal sort. 
but like the old Catholic intellectual ghetto, like, like, you know, like I would only be able to uh, go to the library because my, our parents would just not allow us to even leave the house alone, especially as girls. I would have to take classes playing several musical instruments, uh, singing, you know, just like kind of like an old disappearing world classical education, arts, um, it, has, it has pretty much vanished with the advent of capitalism. I was born in 1987. So two years later, the Iron Curtain fell. That's one of my earliest memories. And then, you know, uh, came in the sex, drugs and rock and roll and the liberation and the influx of information, technologies, entertainment, entrepreneurship, two decades of fantastic freedom where people could suddenly have all that they were lacking. And then the disillusion set in. And when the disillusion started to set in, um, that's when the occult started gaining traction among the masses, I would say, because people started to look for an advantage, a competitive advantage answers, uh, solace, you know. So, you know, there's been a boom in, in fortune telling. Um, the occult information became widely available. What used to be just like small bookstores where you had to know people who know people, you know, it very quickly turned into anybody can purchase a tarot deck in any bookstore. Uh, anybody can get spells online, you know, order stuff online. Uh, and try messing with their own sorceries. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioning the competitive advantage, I think, because that does sort of explain so much about how many people think. I, I consider the fact that, you know, we're seeing even corporations now giving microdoses of psilocybin to employees. Oh, absolutely. Because they, they, they have do. tested competitive advantages. And, and that's all capitalists tend to need to hear is like, if you do this, you might make, you'll probably make a little bit more money. Well, you know, and corporations and entrepreneurs, they're going to jump at anything if, if they feel that it might give them the advantage. So I had uh, clients who were actually entrepreneurs, so they would learn how to use magic and divination to better their business, you know, to vet employees or like to raise productivity, purify, mm. The offices. I had clients who were politicians, um, celebrities, people from all walks of life, really. But when they come to you as a witch, it's always they're coming for something special or they're coming as a last resort. Because for some reason, the more common institutions of society have failed them and they don't have anywhere else to go or they don't know where should they even go with those kinds of questions, with those kinds of situations. So that's how they ended up at the witch's place. Yeah, I was sort of thinking of it in context also of there's a common perception, especially in, in the academic world uh, of the history of magic and, and all of that. And even in studies of contemporary, you know, new religious movements, like, uh, like we hear out of you know, the Amsterdam School, of course, and their the perspective of magic being something that's actually common 
to uh, the uneducated or the educated poor, as opposed to being something actually practiced by the well-off rulers of the world. But um, come on, we, we all know this, that they do it, that they is, practice uh, yeah. principles. It's magic is present and has always been present, you know, in all strata of society. It just has a different form. And of course, they kind of don't want to be put together in, in one bag because, you know, it doesn't overlap in their eyes, but they're using the same principles, just on a different scale and for different uh, aims, I guess. Can I, so what do you think, what do you think they were doing in Epstein's temple on that island? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm sure they were doing some blackmail orgies there. Like that's fairly apparent. Why, why would they have all the teenage girls there? It's, you know. That's the obvious boring part. What about the occult side? What do you think? Um, I think... It's fun to speculate on because we'll probably never know. Right? I do believe that there is and there has been for centuries actually contacts with other civilizations, subterranean civilizations, um, who might be like exchanging technologies with humans in exchange for something. Is this the hollow earth idea? Mm, sort of, but not really. I mean, it's subterranean. I've heard crazy stuff about that island. I, I myself am not sure how much of the conspiracy out there is put out there by professionals who have it all figured out. So like, I don't want to be the fool who just eats it up. Yeah, no, me neither. None of us, I, well, hope, hopefully none of us do, though actually lots of us want to be just, yeah, garble that foolishness up the thing that actually really shocked me was when i heard billy corgan's story on howard stern and when he told told this story of seeing his buddy or someone he knew transform in front of him into like a reptilian alien and then no, back i mean that's what i'm saying I and think then admit it so when i heard that story i was like okay this is going to be a ridiculous you know like yeah i mean it's probably not ridiculous him. to the I, people who have lived through it or like an alien abduction so i do believe that like there are some probably generational cults of people who just engage with these entities who will still practice human sacrifice or interbreeding or possession or whatever they do. And it may have degenerated over the centuries. Um, and it might have multiple layers and, you know, and like those people, they might be so traumatized and so damaged and mind control that maybe they don't even have like a clear idea what's going on. It's, it's just that thing that's replicating itself, this, you know, mimetic pattern. I personally have no reason to doubt even like the more outrageous speculation that's out there because I was exposed to it as a child. Uh, I have like some very bizarre fragmented memories that I've been piecing together now for years and I've been running into people and like witnesses and sources that strangely enough seem to be remembering similar things or like the same things so you know the truth is out there as they said mm. in x-files yeah and the well. truth is not a pretty thing it's not like the truth will set you free because you will see this universal beauty behind things 
it, it may shatter you entirely because you will see the wickedness that permeates everything. You think there's wickedness permeating everything? I think there's both. We live in duality. It's a fallen world. It's not a holiday destination, this planet. There's a lot of injustice. The societies are not functional. They seem to be degenerating. I mean, have you seen the homeless cities on the West Coast? I, I, this is Vancouver where I live. Oh, we're yeah. like, we're the, we're, we, we take the cake. So you've seen like what Portland, Seattle. Yeah, they got LA. nothing on us. They got nothing on us. That's when, when people talk about the crazy homelessness in LA, that's like a, they're like, oh, it's like the whole, no, it's nothing. They don't know. That's nothing compared to what we got. Because we're the only city in Canada where you can survive the winter outside. So all of the homeless, all, all of Canada have to, if, if for a lot of my life, if you became homeless in Canada, they would give you a one-way bus ticket to Vancouver and a pair of shoes. Whoa. Yeah. But now, that's not they, a solution, is it? Well, here's what, here's how our province handled that. Cause we didn't get any extra funding to deal with it. We just got the problems. So one of our ways to handle that was we terminated Greyhound buses. There's now, Whoa, no, oh my you, God. Can't, you can't bus anywhere now. Outside. I can't get a bus in Vancouver and go anywhere. Well, RC, that's what I'm saying. The wickedness that permeates everything. Like, how is this rational? It's like the police will solve the crime in their district by physically dragging the bodies and throwing them to the other district. No, like that's what they do in Brazil. Yeah. Here, here uh, they just advise us uh, to never call the cops if, uh, if you're a man. If you're a guy, they say never call the cops under any circumstances. Um, that was the advice I was given. And uh, it was right. I had to, of course, learn the hard way because I'm an Aquarius. We need to experience shit. You know? <laughs> Curiosity <laughs> killed the cat. Well, yeah, but you know, life's terminal anyway, so. No, that's right. I mean, not, it's not like we're getting out of this place alive. Not at all, not at all. But maybe in another body. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your take on, what's your take on black magic or left-hand pathism or Satan? Like the, let, let's maybe focus on black magic. What's your take on black magic and the afterlife? Karma? the things we do in this life I, have a, um, I believe i have a good grasp of how it works i have a lot of past life memories i'm, I'm actually a psychic reader who can see people's past or like regress them there um do some healing um recover those memories so so i have seen these chains of you know causes and consequences and, and choices and their consequences and i've seen it with myself i've seen it with other people um, I think that the main element that people are missing, unfortunately, is that karma plays out on a long scale, sometimes a very long scale, like hundreds of years, thousands of years, many incarnations. Yes, sometimes the events will escalate like, you know, within a time frame that is observable for us, especially when somebody throws magic at it to make it speed up. But for the most part, you just have to 
take into consideration that you don't come here as a blank slate. You know, you, you don't just roll some random numbers on the dice. Um, you come here with desires, hopes, promises, oaths, covenants, um, intentions, your soul plan, as the New Agers like to say. And all of this determines your life path. You actually choose the framework for the life path before you come here. I do remember that, but I think it's very difficult to uncover your soul plan. Like for the most part, I don't see people doing it or they, they put it together piece by piece kind of later in life. It's not like it comes to them as a singular um, illumination. Black magic has a price and it's got a very powerful momentum that makes it difficult to get out. It's like, as they say, violence breeds violence. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, if you get into the demonic pacts, soul contracts, uh, if you give in to like, the Luciferian powers, the Luciferian current, it will get hold over you and it just won't let you easily abandon it. Sometimes people get jaded, tired, burned out. They want to leave, but they can't. They're just not allowed to because they had to serve the contract that they took up on themselves until the end. And that's why there is like an enormous number of very bizarre um, brushing shoulders with death stories in the left-hand path communities. Like <laughs> every left-hand path out there that I know of has either tried to kill themselves or like has survived some lethal danger or people have been wanting to kill them their entire life. Um, but they just don't seem to die <laughs> because the soul contract keeps them together. And a lot of them have told me like, so they attempted suicide and they were brought back. Lucifer or Lilith or both of them brought them back. Uh, it happens with children as well. Lucifer talks to children a lot. And then people like realize later on as adults that that's what it has been. People have stories of like something has rolled back time. You know, they survived a lethal accident, um, overdose, um, stuff like that so it's a very adventurous life path very edgy very um intense um where you are more you're likely to find yourself in the victim perpetrator dynamic a lot like on a greater scale than than most people like people that i run into in the black magic communities, uh, they have horrible histories, even just in this life. And then when you ask yourself why, then you know you can tell the stories of their past life. So, like I don't know, one of my friends was she was kidnapped into human trafficking at 14 years old, messed her up terribly, and then when she did the past life regression a decade later she was shown this life where she was the one abducting teenagers and she lived as a kind of black witch necromancer uh, in the swamp land. 
And the people who did it to her when she was a teenager were probably the reincarnated victims of her from back then. So, you know, when you engage in these acts, such as human sacrifice, that creates a very uh, powerful imprint on your soul. And you might even like be escaping it for a while, for as long as you maintain the power, but you will either lose it at some point or, or you will get tired of it. You'll be born as some nobody. You'll be born in the vicinity of the people who are your victims because the same soul, the souls are just drawn together mechanically. It's like a magnetism. And then, you know, bad shit will happen. So, you know, I, I've told so many of these stories on my show. It's, it's a genre. Left-hand path, karma is... It's a genre. It's it's a dark thriller, a horror maybe even. Um. So how do you think reincarnation works, and and how do you deal with the problem of like I've met like four McGregor Mathers, you know? Well, they all say they're McGregor Mathers, or other people do. Um. You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of parolees out there. How do you think that works? Because I've always been uh, oppositional to the simplistic ideas behind reincarnation, yet something's going on with past life memories. That's for sure. There's something going on with that. I just, I've always felt like there must, there's some other obvious explanations that could, that could, you know. Well, there, there is a lot of phenomena that, that just don't have obvious. any other explanation, but I don't even think that everybody needs to explore that. Like if you can get answers to the questions that you seek in other way, then, you know, you don't have to engage in it. A lot of those memories can be excessively traumatic and there is a reason why we forget so that we can like start over and experience differently and make different choices. Um, some people just seem to have the ability to remember and they remember clear as daylight, actually a number of historic uh, person personalities had disabilities. Certain American generals and presidents had it. Uh, it is somewhat rare. For most people, this is not accessible or they don't seek it out. Like they get a reading, they need somebody else, a medium to uncover it for them. And you know, the way I look at it is that it brings them solace. It brings them understanding, explanation, catharsis. So much like dream interpretation, you know, with a psychologist, with a therapist, it's contents of your soul, of your subconscious. It has its value. And um, yeah, you know, exploring it and interpreting it, uh, reliving it, learning from it um, can be useful and can be healing so so that's how i view my practice my beliefs uh i've been quite um hesitant in talking about this topic for a while because because of like what you said i mean it's it's become such a such a party line such a pickup line like you know everybody out there wants to brag about you know knowing cleopatra or julius caesar you know, or like these, these fake readers, these charlatans will want to impress their clients. So they will fill their heads with these tales or like a man hit on women. See, like 
for, but and for a long time that's what I thought it was like I thought that my father was a charlatan who just hit on my mother and told her all of these stories how they were you know how they met each other in World War II and he died in her arms as a wounded soldier and she was a nurse and they got engaged before he died but they could not fulfill that promise so they sought out each other a few decades later and and this is where it gets really strange because I realized years later that my parents were not BSing or like they knew that they were married before. A lot of married couples actually have this experience. And when you look at the map, they both kept moving to different cities until, they, until their, their paths collided. Like they were drawn together by the gravity of this promise, this oath that they made to each other, which they were unable to fulfill. So, you know, uh, even a simple oath of marriage can have a lot of uh, influence on people's decision. And there's other oaths like, uh, you know, chastity, poverty. S some spiritual people just can't seem to get, you know, manifest money. And it might be because they have spent numerous lifetimes as a spiritual person who has sworn off worldly possessions. So all of these life choices, they carry a momentum which carries on to, you know, other, um, other timelines. I have actually run into a bunch of people who are, who are and who know that they are certain well-known historic figures, uh, nobody seems to be disproving it like there's a number of people all attesting to the same thing but they like they don't look the way you think they would look like you are somebody different you know and the historic people they are mythicized and idolized anyway you know? I, I, sorry what you said was uh, it's 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 interesting i think it I mean, yeah, it, what you said remind me of the joke Ricky Gervais made on his new thing the other day. He's like, he talked about reincarnation. Of course, he actually talked about a lot of the things that I've been made the focus of my academic uh, career, which is, you know, I take a very anti-supernaturalist view of things, which is just to say that I circumscribe what people would call the supernatural and the natural, you know? Um, I don't think you need an interventionist deity to explain the phenomenon of nature, especially if you allow for the possibility that nature might be more vast and complicated than we currently understand, which I don't think should be a stretch for us. And if it is, that's unfortunate. But <laughs> Gervais said, you know, some people believe in reincarnation, you come back as someone else. And he's like, but then that's just someone else, mate. <laughs> and I was just you know, I was, you know, and, 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 you know it's, it's good to have, it's good to keep a sense of humor about it, because <laughs> you know because <laughs> whoever i was before if i was someone else before i'm gonna be someone else at, well i don't know that well you know I like actually know that for, so and this is a, this is a new part of my path for me it's just been a couple of years that i've like gotten into it and i developed those abilities i used to think that it's honestly like bar pickup lines <laughs> spiritual man because all i knew about reincarnation would be uh, like dudes sending me letters telling me stuff like you remember those times you know during the times of the yellow emperor in china when me and you practiced sex magic oh yeah 
I'm like me and you back then now in the future never you guys get like ladies you ladies get the most amazing messages and dms from people online I've Many female friends but who have cared. You know what I think now? Like, he, he might I have actually been right. Stuff. He might have actually been right. He may have recognized me just like other people have recognized me as somebody. And they have these, uh, whenever you have like intense, irrational emotions towards someone, whether it's like or dislike, trust, mistrust, that might just be coming from your subconscious. So, you know, maybe some of this obsessive behavior that I've witnessed in men maybe that just came from them you know triggering some kind of uh some kind of memory and and i have experienced this too in different ways i had intense fear of one person without any reason really it was a well-known philanthropist good-looking man very successful who owned a modeling agency and a bunch of other businesses you know he was advocating for medical marijuana like every time i heard about him or brushed shoulders i was like i shuddered like i shivered and like it became uncomfortable to me because i had no explanation for this and so i asked my psychic colleague who seemed to have this ability to see the past and he told me he was a pimp and he beat you up. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So I remembered I was some kind of burlesque dancer, some failed actress in Chicago who lived, you know, in the post world, post war era. Um, and I somehow crossed the territory of this man and like he threatened me and, and he beat me up and it left me with this dread, with this trauma, basically, which gets re-triggered when you come into the same situations or the same people. And it can, and it can be pretty physical for, for some folks. And, and then I realized, okay, well, this is interesting because in this life, I ran into him in a burlesque parlor, in a bar, out of all places. He was there to see a show with some girls and I was there to see a show as well. He was there with some underage girls who were models in the modeling agency that he owned, which I soon realized like, you know, they do other stuff. Like those girls, they didn't seem very innocent to me. And I'm like, wow. So you basically are still in the same profession that you were in that last life. We met in the same environment, uh, it's like, you know, the same stories kind of repeat themselves over and over, or we are drawn to recreate them through art, you know, through the imagery that we are drawn to. Um, and that explains a lot then, you know, I think free will is partially an illusion. When you start seeing this dimension of reality, it all of a sudden starts looking like we're just LARPing. You know, we're just repeating stuff that has already happened. We try to take vengeance on the people who once screwed us over. We try to live out the romance with the people who promised us love before, who were taken from us. Like we're just, we're just dragged by this momentum from the past, you know, as a mouse that's being dragged by the cat. And we think that we're, we're the cat, but like we're more of 
the mouse, in my opinion. Sorry, I just I keep muting, of course, because the garbage trucks outside sound like they're exploding. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear them very loud with their beepings and rumblings, but I'm glad that's good. Um, I live downtown, so it's it's always like this. Um, uh, look forward to getting back out into the nature. I, I after uh, every, I spend a good amount of time before COVID outside of cities, and I was like, I never want to actually spend my life somewhere where I can't see the stars at all. And so I think I'm done really? with cities for life. Yeah, I need the stars. Like it just changed the quality of my life in a, in a subtle but powerful way. Um, I noticed being connected that way. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense given how much of our work ties to the stars and the planets, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you would, uh, you would be drawn to solitude. That's a very occultist mystical type of desire but i've personally found out after a year of living in like different suburbs and in the country that it kills me entirely like i'm a vampire i need to be around the crowds well fair play someone's got to be someone's got to be i'll leave that to, to you um yeah I've, i've found also it's harder to get uh spirits to engage uh, in cities than than in the country i used i didn't used to know that because my experiences were formed in the city um you know where in good old high magic fashion we build these symbolic temples like we see in the golden dawn and create these symbolic images but they're, but they're symbolic in, you know like yes we create them to stand i mean you're in a city so you can't see the stars and the moon you can't just rush out to a forest grove so you create the symbolic universe around you to connect to the same energies. This is the old uh, flawed argument or you know weak argument between high and low magic. The high, the people up in the highlands and the cities and the people down. Like it's a very primitive and inaccurate way of looking at these things, especially given our knowledge now of the early magical texts and traditions. But um, yeah you know the symbols stand in for nature i mean uh, you know if someone says what what symbol of the moon should i use to invoke <laughs> the moon when i'm outside on the full moon uh, that, that's you know, stupid <laughs> yeah right you know that's that's yeah but some people uh haven't you know that's not it takes a, sometimes a while to make that leap and realize oh this is just instead of if you you know so when like when i was in kelly's tower that time doing uh, i was doing the enochian stuff I would do in my tradition to make contact, I actually stumbled over it. And I filmed that, I actually filmed it. It's, on, it's even on YouTube and I actually stumbled. I put it up because I stumbled over a couple of words at, at one point. And it wasn't because of any you know, lack of memory. It's because halfway through doing the, the basic Enochian, I got like a, a loud sort of thunk on the back of my head and like this massive presence was just like, you don't need to do that here. We're all here. And I looked around and I just saw like disembodied, you know, auras without bodies all over the rooftops and like it was throngs of angels. It felt like and just all these president presences suddenly there. And I was like, oh, okay, these these things are permanently sort of here. They're permanently sort of evoked to this environment, it seemed. And I worked with a few over the next week and and tested, you know, I tested what they could do in the real world in that environment. And it was it was something. You know, any place where somebody has performed intense magic, especially like if it was a group, 
are a bunch of powerful practitioners, it remains there. It creates like a rift, you know, between the worlds. It opens a permanent portal, and these portals will remain there for centuries or even millennia. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we we sort of talked about you sort of started to mention the the potential deficit or damage black magical practice can have, and if you believe in reincarnation karma. It seems like that potential damage could be, I don't know, maybe more or less significant. I mean, if you only have one life and then how you live that life determines sort of has an impact on what happens hereafter versus you're coming back here and it's going to have an impact on what your life's here. What is the, the, uh, the cost sort of benefit analysis for black magic? We were talking before we started briefly about why I've never practiced any black magic due to vows and stuff and well, it's a choice, you know, it's, it's because you've taken oaths that kind of bind you to a different, a different life path. But just like you, there are black magicians who's at, who have taken oaths that bind them to the Black Order or, or the Black Lodge, you know, and, and they have to abide by them as well. So I guess, why would someone do that? Why would someone bind themselves to the Black Lodge and... Uh, if, if there's negative consequences well because i guess that's a <laughs> i don't know man that, that's like asking somebody like why do people have sex or why they kill people or why you know like human nature i guess at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I mean, I definitely would consider murder and sex morally different <laughs> well, I mean, it's a fact of life. Every known civilization out there engages in warfare, mm -hmm. you know, killing, slavery, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Even Jesus said that that's not going to change. We'll always have it with us till the end of time. Right. Yeah. We were like, so what if, can we do so about if this? Jesus like, said it, shit. you know, if Jesus said it, and black magicians also lived in, in, you know, in his era, and they actually like they wanted to copy his methods to have those mystical powers, they approached his disciples, like to ask them to teach them the manifestation powers, but they were not interested in the moral teachings. They just wanted uh, the powers for themselves. Well, Jesus was casting out demons by using a demon, right? Beelzebul, right? And he got in trouble. They were like, you're, you're casting out demons through the king of demons. And this was a big issue. And of course, the important point for, you know, the history of magic and magicians is concerning the fact that that's a, that's a goetic technique. That's a Solomonic technique. Like that is a very old, reference one of that's probably the you know, well the, many many people consider jesus to be a magician just like well, moses that's the point like only magicians back then were using demons or 
and and packs with demon kings or and they're controlled because like you know even the abramelon has you binding the demon kings to yourself even though it's considered often um right hand path kind of grimoire because of the holy guardian angel though again i don't subscribe to the right left sort of dichotomy in my understanding of the historicity of all this stuff but um Maybe that'll change by the end of our conversation. Who knows? You know, I'm open to it. Just like some some people just want to engage in power grabs, in violence, in retaliation, in in conquest. Other people want to defend the innocence or protect peace. We all come here with different agendas. Just like when you look at different life philosophies or political philosophies, you know, some people believe in the survival of the fittest. Um, some people believe in like Christian ideals of compassion and, and, and charity. Um, you've got all these competing philosophies in even just in the history of Western philosophy. So I think like right hand path and left hand path, it's the same thing, you know, it's just different perspectives and different sets of values and priorities. It's like a different temperament. Like some people um, are laid back and chill. Some people are passionate. Some people are daredevils. Some people are cowards. And, um, you know, some people like to poke the bear. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say poking the bear is something left-hand path. Here's, here's you know, All occultists do that, you know, and philosophers yeah, yeah, do it too. Yeah witches do it, artists do it. I mean, um, and of course, we, we see ourselves through our own lenses. So there's the White Lodge propaganda, and then there's, there's the Black Lodge propaganda, and each, each team thinks that they are the cool kids. I guess, yeah, okay. Maybe. Um, I'm just keeping an open mind. That's why I'm sounding indecisive. It's just trying to i i personally find white magicians kind of intolerable because of the sheer amount of hypocrisy that goes on there do tell um i mean the left-hand pathers and the satanists because they embrace the shadow and they explore vices and liminal experience they, at the very least, even though they're bastards, they seem to be owning up to their bastardship. Like okay. they're gonna, they're gonna tell you, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the power. I'm in it for the money. You know, I just want to be the bad guy. I was bullied at high school. Then I took up black magic stuff like that. But the white magicians that I run into, they're just super attached to this view of themselves as the white knight as the good guys and they're in so much denial of their basic impulses that they fall total prey to them you know to me it sounds like a comparison of someone far advanced on the black magic left-hand path as uh, again using these terms as loosely as necessary to make these this comparison work it sounds like you're though you're not comparing black brotherhood with white brotherhood there. It sounds like you're comparing comparing an experienced black brotherhood adept with a complete new white magician who 
hasn't actually gone very far down the path that's, and therefore yeah. has these I mean, problems that's, that you're that's difficult to say. It's just because, because I, I have never say. even, I've never even run into anybody who would like be a highly advanced adept of the White Brotherhood. We tend to say that there is no right-hand path. There is just the left-hand path and then the propaganda that's been put out there by the Black magicians to obfuscate the truth. Right, and I would say all that there is no such thing as black magic, there's just magic. But if you use magic to hurt someone, you could call that black magic. And it was outlawed in ancient Sumeria and Assyria in the cuneiform tablets and referred to as their word for witchcraft. It was practiced in privacy and in secrecy, whereas white magic was practiced out in the open. Uh, maybe, I, yeah, I don't know about that. But um, before we lose the point, if you don't mind, I just want to like, because this is an interesting part point for me. Um, it's in the talking about the black side, we'll just have to be even looser in terms just so we can encompass these categories. The black side as being comfortable to shadow, uh, understanding the vices, exploring those things and the liminal spaces. To me, those three things are the definition of the white path of the white magician of the the great, great white brotherhood, those are what define the path that I've been on my whole life. Yeah, then, then, the the whole know, path purpose of the path is to be the light and take that light into the darkness, to illuminate that light in the darkness, yeah, even right. if the darkness doesn't think, really yeah, get the, more, get the more content power to of them. the light. I, so I'm that requires afraid. shadow work, that requires exploring your vices, exploring the, the, you know, the dark side of the tree and the klipa, and to understand your relationship, how you build those paths, because the, the 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 spheres aren't connected on their own. We are the tunnels that connect, you know, the the, the spheres of the Averse tree, right? We create the tunnels of set to join those powers together. If you want to look at it that way, no, explore, so exploring the cliffhot is is like a distinct is known as like a distinctly left hand path. Not at all. See, that's my point. That is my point. That's okay. I've been waiting to be able to get into this with someone and it's never happened. But that is the essence of the right hand path. And that's where I think this left hand path, right hand path dichotomy falls apart entirely and becomes nonsense because they're claiming things that are distinctive and definitive of the other side. And to claim those for the left hand path to me doesn't prove that one side's right or wrong it proves that they're both nonsense neither of them exist at all this is this is what i'm thinking sure no that's it, it is an intellectual concept it's uh, it's hype it's image there's a different difference in aesthetics i think uh for like, sure you know for there's sure. like a, there's like a there's a big considerable overlap for example between metal music and people who are into that genre and like satanism um new age music sounds completely different then you've got like hippies you know people like with the traveling gypsy lifestyle but all of this is like aesthetics lifestyle choices uh, you know the tantric crowd looks very distinct it's it's subcultures it's subcultures and uh it's okay. who you who you hang around in the you know high school cafeteria lunch table it's the lunch table politics to a large degree we just oh. we just use a different kind of flavor i guess 
hype. Like I grew up Catholic, so I am technically an apostate. I abandoned the faith uh, right. in favor of Luciferianism. That that makes me a Satanist in the classical sense. I yeah, also got into witchcraft and paganism. So that is a like a big historical injustice that is still very much alive in people and and that's why i would call myself left-hand path also out of um you know to honor the prosecuted people my ancestors who were forced out of their ancestral beliefs who were forcibly christianized i was for i was forced to attend the holy mass and go to confession i didn't want to i didn't choose that religion you know it was forced upon me as a child so then i abandoned it uh, to favor the other side and that's where i found that things were making more sense yeah well i certainly can't fault anyone for uh leaving the roman catholic church <laughs> um you know yeah i guess so one of the things that worries me is if if in the culture if in if in the o culture we have um, this new right, well, because the left-hand path is a thing, because people say it all the time, they define themselves by it, it's de facto a thing. However, what happens if in the creation of this left-hand path, and if in its development, we take all these key ideas from the other path, let's say, not, I'm not going to call it the right I mean, I, I would agree, it, it, might, just, them, it, it might just be rebranding. Re and then don't exist something. on the other side. It might just be the same thing as when they, you know, there is an underground musical scene and the skilled promoter picks up this one band and it goes from underground to mainstream. You know, like it's just the repackaging of ideas with different aesthetics, with a different appeal. The left-hand path definitely seems to be gaining traction. Like it's, it's, it's alive, it's sucking in people, uh, it's in demand. Oh, satanism yeah. like the old school satanism to me seems to be kind of dying out like it like you know the um like the sentiments the spirit of time seem, seems to have changed a bit um i don't think that current culture is actually very like sex positive and the whole message of like sex positive life like self-acceptance it's like very 1960s it just doesn't have this sort of pull that it used to and then the neo-paganism also it has changed so much there's all these like druidic orders and wiccan covens and they're all dying out it's all people with gray hair you know they don't have any younger disciples it used to be a thing a few decades ago now it's not a thing anymore so it's like you know new spiritual brands are popping up every decade or so um and it's always just resurgence and repackaging uh of something and i mean i i went through a number of these you know i was in a druidic order i used to hang out with the weekends with the neo-pagans i was personally very surprised that the that the pagan thing um survived us you know aging out and we didn't age out of it because i thought it was like oh you know it's just like teenagers and people in their early 20s they will all settle down and they will stop this stupid pagan shit you know sabbaths by the bonfire and trying to recreate um 
some old pagan rituals. And to my surprise, they all settled down. They all had families. Pagans are kind of fertile, so they had families early on. You know, more children than it's usual. And they all initiated their children into it and they formed family covens, you know. They now have family-friendly festivals. They go to the ancient sites, ancient yeah. places, and it's very much alive. And I was surprised to see this because this just happened, you know, a decade ago, and, and I just didn't see it coming. I just thought that, you know, the silly thing, it will never hold up. And, like, you've now got second-generation weekends, third-generation weekends, like families, you know, just, just like you have goths, who are grandmothers and grandfathers and it's still going on and people thought that punk will not be a thing that it will just like blow up and you know then they'll move on to something else and you still have these punk bands and like they've been doing the same thing for decades so it's it's a constant flux yeah yeah um do you think um I don't know if there's anything wrong with people living in this dichotomy of right and left-hand path, but I do know for sure that the, the, I see, I like, I like, I like being able to communicate with people. I like being able to work with other people. I think that's really a healthy thing for humans to be able to do. And one of the problems I see with the left-hand path and the way it's defining itself is it's thinking that it contains a lot of the stuff that the other path has always been defined by. And by extracting those things, you're changing the definition of what everyone else is doing in your own mind, therefore misunderstanding what everyone else is doing, therefore cutting yourself off from even being able to communicate with other people. So when people approach me and call me a right-hand path practitioner and they say, look, there's no point in even talking to you about this. And I've you have lots of people say this because you don't understand the shadow. You don't understand shadow work. You don't understand your own darkness or demons or any of that stuff. All you do is focus on the light. And I'm like, have you literally not read anything about occultism at all or any of this? It feels like I'm talking to someone who's never, who just doesn't even have well, a clue they, what they're talking they, about. They might be like, projecting. What, so they might be projecting what's going on here. But it's also, it's a path that is fueled by opposition. So maybe maybe the definition of the left-hand path is people who need a straw man right-hand path to be able to define themselves. Because well, but the right doesn't, doesn't, doesn't it go both ways, though? Like, no, it doesn't, because we don't need dark practitioners to define who we are. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you opinion, don't, there's but there's like, 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 look at the New Agers, you know, they are always in, at war with dark forces. They are the light workers. So they totally need to be at that war, you know, they, they need the trauma. And then there's like Christian preachers, you know, all the deliverance folks who do spiritual warfare, casting out demons. They obviously are also engaged in a spiritual war. Um, and, and then I was married actually to a self-professed right-hand path, white magician, angelic magician. Um, we worked together we were trying to build a bridge but it felt like the bridge failed uh to be built on his side rather than mine hmm. so that's just Reasonable. my personal experience um 
And, you know, like, I'm not going to defend black magicians and tell anybody that they're the good guys. They're not. They're horrible. They're outrageous. The worst part about being the part of the Black Lodge is the incessant backstabbing, treachery, abuse of baneful magic, freaking death threats, uh, histories of violence. Uh, there's a lot of, like, criminal shady folks out there it's it's horrible you know it's horrible it's the black lodge is what deters people from the black lodge like it's the people it's just they're horrible well but if you're one of them then that's also who you are so you need to at least come into acceptance of who you are what did you think of uh the 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 recent new season of Twin Peaks. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't? There's one episode in it that the whole thing is basically a surrealistic spiritual mechanism. It's hard to describe. I think you should check it out. You might like it. But yeah, um, I just, uh, I can imagine that. I wonder sometimes how many people watch Twin Peaks and decided to join the Black Lodge. <laughs> It's the propaganda, you know, it's out there. Join the dark side, we have cookies. <laughs> I used to have that on a shirt. <laughs> right? Well, it, it's, worked, it's uh, a cool slogan, you know. But then I get people approach me all the freaking time wanting to make pacts with demons or God forbid, Lucifer himself. And I just have to tell them off in, in rude ways, actually, because they're freaking fools. They have no clue what they're talking about and they will just get, get themselves into trouble. So I will not facilitate making those pacts for them. Yeah. I mean, hey, what could go wrong? I mean, just ask EA Quetting. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes you should cut the live stream off before you start talk, encouraging murder. <laughs> Click yeah, now. You know, that, you say yeah, that. that's uh, that, that, and it's what I'm saying. You know, it's, uh, people on the left hand path uh, get a bit carried away. Did they carry a momentum? I mean, I have seen his past lives. He was actually a serial killer many times. I just don't think he needs the experience anymore. Like, you've lived through this, you know, there is nothing more to gain by doing it over and over. Have you have you have you ever uh, gotten to talk to him about everything that went down? Um, we were involved intimately before all this stuff went down. I haven't really talked to him since. Wow. You're doing okay after all that? Must have been very rough to go through that. Uh, you know, it's the story of the Black Lodge. <laughs> I I tried to overcome by just you know self-exploration and and art I'm, I'm making this movie for myself and for everybody and you know to move the story forward hmm. well art's great um i was working on a, a lot of uh, enochian sigils recently and and i was enjoying it so much i wanted to keep painting even when the planetary time was done and so i you know, I, I, uh, I, since COVID, I started playing D&D once every week or two with my friends just because we weren't, even, oh, though, we weren't even though we weren't legally allowed to do it for most of a, the, a year, for a year here, we weren't legally allowed to see a single person. Like, I mean, what government that maintains divine mandate can forbid P 
people from seeing friends, family, dying family members. It's just inhuman. Well, we still are. I'm still not allowed to travel within the country or outside really? of it. Really? No, no. Oh, Trudeau doesn't want that to ever end, ever at all. Yeah. Oh my. So they just no. went for the power grab, he, he and now you will be with a with a fever. He hates Canadians. He he despises us. Like they were building all these camps that we thought were concentration camps for them to send us to then it turned out that that's not what they were they were camps that were being used during the pandemic for trudeau to train chinese troops from china and put them up and this is like we're our politicians some of them are trying to bring this out i, I don't even see i don't even follow out. the news anymore yeah yeah because to maintain your sanity when you're soaking up all this sinister plots going on out there like i've seen people melt down my husband was breaking down from this all the freaking time and i'm actually i'm not even sure if there's objective reality because when i was with him in oregon it was like i could see the black helicopter swarming like it was about to come every day and then he kicked me out or i left and i'm like where is all of the conspiracy stuff happening like the economic collapse the invasion the black helicopters the spying i just don't see it anywhere is it because you know we have separated timelines is it because we don't actually inhabit the same reality almost my uh, professor in seminary always quoted eric heller be careful how you interpret the world. It really is like that. And uh, I'm glad she said that so often because, mm, you know, metaphysics and ontology aside, it's just good advice. And you, know, and, you know, I am pretty sure that there's folks out there in this country, in the United States, who lives in, if some kind of, in some kind of Kenyan, in some kind of community with no internet and no phone lines, and they have no clue that COVID even happened. They don't know that the war in Ukraine is happening and they live a different life. Yeah, we call that we call that place bountiful British Columbia. Bountiful is our polygamous community, <laughs> like <laughs> FLDS people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like you, you've got those folks here, here, here too. Um, cults, compounds, the Amish. I, I, I just don't think that reality is objective anymore just because i have experienced such profound shifts in my personal reality i have emigrated a year ago i went through two countries then four different states i got married my marriage fell apart and all of this happened during a year you know and now i'm in las vegas shooting naked pictures out there in the desert in a dust storm and i'm like whoa well, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's a typical life, like left-hand path kind of life momentum, especially when you take pacts, which I have done. Um, we just live like multiple lifetimes during one lifetime, a lot of intense change, a lot of drama, a lot of liminal experience. It's just like some like it hot, I guess. Yeah. So 
there wasn't actually helicopters flying. No, that that was just a, a figure of speech, but yeah. that's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. I, because I was being brainwashed, I guess, in a way. Like the whole family, everybody was like super scared about, I don't know, the collapse of dollar, you know, that like gas will just become unavailable. We need to stock up on food. We need to start farming, sustainable communities, all this prepper stuff. And then I left and I'm just like, exhausting, where, where, did, where did all of that go? You know? Yeah, you, you, you left. So it was uh, out of your field. And yeah. Was this all with EA? Uh, no, that happened three years ago. Oh, yeah. Strange stuff. Strange stuff. Indeed. Yeah, I'm not sure what to. Well, Satanism schools was a big thing for a while. Is that still happening? Are kids still getting into Satanism? And, and I, I'm not very familiar, like with the culture wars here in USA. I stopped following that as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's still kind of going on because there is an interest in fueling up these, you know, these these religious wars, these like small scale civil wars. But I just don't pay attention, you know. There's like there's something fueling up emotions here all the time every day it almost feels like when one thing dries up then they start up another thing like they want to overthrow the abortion rule uh you know at the supreme court but i don't think anybody really cares about passing laws which are the most just which are for the people or interpret constitution i think this is just like mass traumatization of population where they just will be pumping out one drama after another so that you never have a day of rest, you never have a day where you can think clear and your attention will be constantly sucked into these black holes of just stress. You know, like you will feel threatened. You will wanna argue, you will wanna protest or whatever. And it, it's just endless, you know, it, it, it's just endless. The society is on one big merry-go-round um, of drama. So, so, you know, I stopped paying attention. I just don't read the news anymore. Yeah, um, smart. I was uh, never really exposed to much of the culture war stuff until I was stuck in the States at the beginning of COVID. And then I had lots of time on my hand because we weren't really allowed to do much or go anywhere and uh, i ended up paying attention to a few things i've never paid attention to before and that happened to a lot of people a lot of people <laughs> yeah. have had like big you know internal life changes for me it led me to emigration because like my city just closed down and i saw it crumble and it was so depressing for me that i just was like, you know, I don't know how long this will go on. I just want to be in some tropical island. So I went to the Caribbean. Oh, smart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I heard about some Canadians who were actually uh, trapped in exotic locations uh, when that's, the COVID happened. Yeah, and, and, and that's is, the thing. You know what's crazy? Is the the government it still gave them the money. So these guys, Canadians, were getting given by the Canadian government for almost two years, $2,000 a month. So right, right, right. Like, oh my God. So you, oh, <laughs> well, that's that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like I I saw these newspaper headlines. You know, 
pictures of sexy Czech girl trapped in a tropical paradise. I'm like, hmm, really? I mean, that sounds like it's not such a bad idea. Can you imagine being on vacation and like you get notifications from the news and your government saying you uh, have to unfortunately stay where you are for a while, but we'll be uh, uh, giving you two grand a, a month to uh, compensate you. And you're just like, like living a blessed life, like at a time when the whole world's losing its mind, you're like, some of us. Uh, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, we don't live on the same timeline. We don't live in the same reality. People experience vastly different things. You know, there is like a collective level to it. But then there's just like, you know, people just live different stories. Now, one thing that's uh, interesting is 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 how when you talk about packs, packs are 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 not really um, definitive. I mean, you must be aware that packs are not a thing defined by on the left hand path, right? Well, the, it's universal. I mean, any kind of oath or contract yeah. is entered via free will, and there's yeah. different types, you know. Exactly. Between humans and spirits, between humans, among humans. Um, exactly. Yeah. So like the, you know, essentially in Avermelon, you make a pact with the Holy Guardian Angel um, as the interme intermediary or inter intercessing spirit, whereas in other grimoires, you have different spirits that play that same sort of role. Um, what is the advantage, do you think? What do people get out of becoming Luciferian as opposed to Christian or Jewish or Muslim or Hecate I mean, or any of the other faiths or it's house. it's just it's just like joining a political party or a clique. It's it's joining a certain power clique so you will have to play their games. You will get certain perks, advantages, you will also paint a target on your back in other ways. Um, so why would you want to do that then? I'm just sort of trying to be, you know, playing the Socratic. I would event. say that you, I would say that you will do it because you did it many times before. And it's just the momentum that carries on from those past lifetimes. It's almost deterministic, isn't it? I, that's how I experience it, you know, like I have seen myself in these black lodges and cults many, many times. And I even like tried to escape, but I couldn't because I kept being born into it. I was born into it this lifetime as well. My father was an occultist and he conceived me ritualistically. He made a birth, a, a astrological chart of my conception. So like I've been marked. I was born with the witch's mark. He refused to have it removed because he saw in my birth chart that I had Pluto in first house. So he was like, yes, she will have a sign in her face on her head. And if we remove it, the spirits will just return it back to her in a, in a worse way. So he left it there, you know, and I had this ugly scarlet stain on my face for two decades. And I, I kind of thought that these things are like old wives' tales. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it until I got fully sucked in mm. in, in my early, early 20s. I, I got my hands on some grimoires 
and I was like this is it you know this stuff is real like this is what I've been looking for the entire time uh, what what grimoires uh, sucked you in and what have you worked with the most well <laughs> so it was actually um the rather um infamous baneful magic by ea coding which was published by Ixaxar. i came across it in 2009 a friend of mine gave me that book to sell it for them on ebay because they didn't have an ebay account so i did it for them but before i sold it i read it and i was like wow and that's how it started for me what's the method in in that grimoire and now, a word from our sponsors. Diving deep into the practices and reality tunnels of the esoteric and the occult, check out Praxis Behind the Obscure podcast, where I interview practicing occultists, do book reviews, and much more. Check us out on YouTube, Red Circle, and many other podcast platforms. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. I wouldn't say that there is an original method. It's more of a manifesto trying to revive, I guess, the faith in literal magic, sorcery, um, you know, supporting this idea that black magic is real, that it still works, um, that it's worth preserving it's you know like his books are more of there's a lot of storytelling there it's it's um it's very readable there's a lot of like dark real life stories so it's part grimoire and part memoir okay. this genre of black magic memoir slash grimoire has really taken off since and what i think it does is that it allows people to self-identify, you know, with the hero, let's say, with the character, the protagonist, the author. So it's part fictional, it's part storytelling, even though it's not fictional, it's memoir, but as a literary genre, it's, you know, it's storytelling, it's told as fiction. It's like, I have performed these rituals and this is what happened. This is what I got out of it. And if you perform them, you can get it as well. And this is what elicits, you know, the curiosity and and the desire. So it's a perfect propaganda, you would say. Like who wouldn't, who did not entertain even once the idea of getting rid of their enemies, you know, vengeance, getting back at people. Black magic is the answer for those people who are seeking power. It's often the powerless, it's often the people who are bullied, um, who turn to the dark occult. It's often the people who are feeling disempowered or disadvantaged in some ways. And they have this rage, you know, or they have this 
survival instinct suddenly activated where like you know it's like either magic is gonna work for me and i will turn the situation around or i'm done for so there is a lot of this dramatic element to the whole left-hand path narrative uh it's like you know i'm down to my last cards so white magic won't help me so where else can i go and i run to the devil as the folk songs say like the last resort it's a psychological thing um perhaps entirely but it's powerful i mean okay so so why in that case would white magic not help Because you have tried it and it didn't help. You need something more. You need something. See, spirits will generally not help you if your cause is not justified. If you want to do something selfish, something just for your personal gain. You know, you see, you can't call angels to keep your infidelity secret, for example. But there are hoodoo spells for that i bet you could find some angel who's like down on his luck he could really use five bucks for a beer <laughs> and you're like no dude dude it'll never happen again man i promise i promise he's like my wings are getting a bit tattered okay okay yeah i mean i i once performed a spell i i evoked ashtarot and asmodeus for a female friend of mine who she had an affair she had a secret lover um sex at home was kind of not working much so she asked me for a spell to get more pleasure in her life and i did it for her and it picked up and she was getting it from two men suddenly on a regular basis and she was like really satisfied so i mean but like that's the kind of spell work that you just like you won't use my white magic for it because those beings those powers wouldn't even um work with you I guess. So here's something interesting, maybe. Um, see, so in my way of my way of thinking and understanding magic and its its history and all that, I would never have said, you know, white magic can't solve this problem, but black magic can. Well, but it, it would, can. I, it will. It will just. Me it me will me just me. solve it through a different, different okay. way. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. I suppose like. You know, if you aren't happy with your current relationship and can't be fixed, white magic would probably just end the relationship, wouldn't it? Maybe from that perspective. And if but that's you, not if that's you not don't what want she that, wanted. That's yeah. If you don't want that, see. So, but right. what my point about the white magic, black magic thing quickly is was, well, I would never say like white magic can't do this, but black magic can. I've never, I would never think that way. But I, but what most magicians would agree with, especially white magicians, is that um some things might not be so easy to do with uh celestial beings but yes are yeah. doable no exactly demons i mean they, 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 they will not want to do certain things for you whereas demons they will just be down for it but you see if i if i you know if i do abramelin you know connect make a pact with my holy guardian angel for lack of a better word the pact that is um and 
then you know bind the the directional kings to myself and their demonic hierarchies therefore using a demon to then do something wouldn't be considered black magic from my perspective i, I think you can also work you can work right? both hands if you maintain balance you can summon and use different spirits I guess but, this, is where, this is the where the golden dawn's coming out in me because you know, as you know, it's all we're all about like the balance, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, maintaining balance is not an easy thing. No, it's that's that's it's supposed to be the hardest thing, I think. It's a hard thing, and to go down the path of black magic is just easier, I guess. It's it's like tempting. You you can get some pretty impressive results early on, and that's what you know sucks people in and, and then you realize that like you know there's more to it like there is uh, um so quicker you know, easier and more seductive it's um, a quote more and more dangerous more dangerous yeah i mean for sure i, I mean i started on this path and it was not until i hit this like a wall which seemed to be all around me I'm like, okay, I can manifest all these things, but there's something limiting me. What is it? And that's when I discovered the laws of karma, cosmic laws, metaphysical laws, and, and past lives. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So it's not like, you know, I can manifest anything. It's like I have to deal with the consequences of my previous decisions and my previous actions. And that's why magic seems to manifest such um, strange, curious, you know, uncalled, for um, results for me. Like you manifest one thing, but in the process you destroy another thing in your life. So like low magic, AKA sorcery, AKA black magic, uh, it just can't be the whole game because it won't get you very far. Yeah, we, we might agree on that one. Eh? <laughs> This is this is just as interesting as I thought it would be. It's really great. It's great having this conversation with you. I'm so glad you reached out. Um, it's it really is really fascinating. Um, I know there's uh, a few more things. That, so okay, so could you define black magic then? Because I don't think it's a simple equation with sorcery and low magic. Uh, you were using that's, that. That's that's one possible thing. equation. Some people equated obviously with demons, but then I guess it depends on what you ask them to do. Um, how, how selfish are those intentions, those actions? You could also define it by allegiance. Like if you are sworn to Satan, uh, Lucifer, like a devotional aspect of it, of the path, if, there's, if you have like a loyalty to those beings, or if you are just an independent agent, um, it is also, a group of certain life philosophies like blasphemous philosophies darwinistic philosophies uh hedonistic i guess nihilistic also anarchist um it's all of that and, and it kind of blends together in this black uh cauldron you know it's like it's like you know who are the hippies like you can describe how they look what music they listen to what drugs were they taking how they traveled it, it it's all of that and it was a phenomenon of a certain era just as the black magician of today is a phenomenon you know existing 
in a certain culture, but it's also universal because black magic has existed in every culture, every civilization throughout the centuries. It is something universal to human nature, something that will never die out. It will never be eliminated or overpowered. It might be integrated, I guess, one day, but I just, you know, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see any um, new golden age maybe on this planet. Well, I'm not, I'm certainly not sticking around uh, waiting for it here. Uh, yeah. You're, you're going to go to Mars, I assume. <laughs> I'm going to reincarnate to Andromeda, Orion, my, my home galaxy. Here's the thing. Yeah. So if, so if reincarnation and is so is, are we stuck to this planet or, or why don't people have more past lives from uh, civilization? It, it has a, it has a, it has a gravity. This planet, like once you're here, you get your hands dirty and, and then you're kind of stuck here. But there's also new volunteers coming here all the time, all like the star seeds and all the Pleiadians and Lyrans. Like, I don't get it. Like, if anybody thinks that this planet is a cool place where they want to be and like they want to save the planet and mankind, more power to you, volunteers. I'm going to head out because like I've been here for a while and I just have not seen the progress, nothing to show for ever since the destruction of Atlantis, but like you're the new generation, you take over after me, I'm done. Yeah, we tried. This, 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 uh, this uh, Satanist and, and uh, white brother here, we, we did our best. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I just have a hard time with understanding, like I understand certain historical definitions of black magic, obviously, um, and how they're applied. But talking about it philosophically as magic itself, it just seems to me that there's just magic and, and maybe it's black if you use it to hurt people. And therefore it's been made illegal in many civilizations and societies, right? Black magic's been- It can be used in a justified way or you can treat the same situations with white magic. It's, it's really up to everybody to decide, you know, like, do you want to keep an affair in secret for your own pleasure or do you want to fix your marriage or do you want to have an open relationship there, there's multiple solutions to the situation and like, i'm frankly not the one to judge and tell anyone like what is their path it might work differently for different people because like you have a different temperament you have a different um a, a different makeup mm -hmm. Um, we were going to, uh, before we started, I, I ran by you if I could read something out from uh, Jake Stratton Kent. You like Jake Stratton Kent? Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him, but I've never like read into his work deeper. So he's he's actually recently, this is also can serve as a, as a public service uh, announcement for him, like for fans of his, or if you don't know his work, check out his work for sure. So he's the, probably the most, it's the most significant work in Goetia in modern times, um, if not ever, um, we have record of perhaps. He uh, recently had a stroke uh, and, and so he's in, he's ill. I'm not sure, I'm not up to date on where he's at or hopefully he's still doing okay, I don't know. But uh, shout out for anyone who wants to go support him. He's got a Patreon, Jake Stratton Kent does, and it, it's, it's a, by 
donations. So you can even do it for a dollar a month or whatever. And he's got some amazing posts um, on his thing, uh, his Patreon. So if you anyone can go even just for a buck a month or whatever, you can manage to help out Jake Stratton Kent, who deserves um, all the love and support he can get, in my opinion, due to his work. So here's a post he made uh, for an example of what, what's on his uh his thing and hopefully he won't mind us using it as an example since we're also shouting out his fabulous patreon his new uh second edition of the true grimoire is out now which is uh, one of the best bang for your bucks you'll ever get in a brilliant book like i mean it's been considered a must read for years but this is what he said on, on lhp rhp question mark note are you ready for it go for it <laughs> i won't do his accent <laughs> I'm not busy, proud, or tired. So let's illustrate the uselessness of RHP LHP to Western magic historically and practically. So this represents very much the perspective I've always sort of seen these things from. Um, the historical source, he says, of the concept of such a division is Blavatsky. I grew up in a Walder school, so I was very familiar with the Steiner Blavatsky key ideas as they affected the spiritual world um, when I was an early teen learning this stuff who intended all practical magic to be covered by left in order to establish a monopoly on miracles, perhaps. He does, he really does have the best sense of humor on these things. She reserved particular venom for the grimoires and practical Kabbalah, though there's no evidence she knew much about either. Only theoretical occultism, hers, was permitted, and therein resided the so-called right-hand path. Do nothing, just keep up the membership fees. It has no previous history in Western magic prior to this, and its appearance is specific to the occult revival, a movement that may have been somewhat premature with cunning folk and others still extent at a social distance from the drawing room magic preferred by the hidden masters. Even imagining, as so many do deludedly, that there is a moral division in practical magic where this dichotomy can be force fit, it simply does not work out in a historical context and adds nothing to our understanding when examining sources. The most notorious handbook of undisguised black magic in Europe, no prizes for guessing the title, can be used for numerous beneficial and altruistic purposes. So this manual, which operates by the actions of demons specifically, is readily employable to protect your friends and loved ones. It includes medicinal interests. Meanwhile, there are plenty of angelic manuals that can be turned to smiting. Surprise. Yes. Magic yes. is amoral and only makes historical and practical sense when understood that way. So with RHP, LHP, we're back with blanket condemnation of practical magic in general as naughty. We're looking yep. at a specifically anti-magical stance emanating from a would-be messiah or religious leader. And that verbotenism from religious authorities is precisely where the only real historical precedent for such dualistic nonsense resides. Brilliant. Great, great post, say, eh? Very, very witty and very eloquently written. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a huge stick up our asses, the whole intellectualist, you know, high class, um, occult mystical tradition of the Western esoteric revival. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> You, you can't say that it does not exist in any way because the angelic grimoires and people who work with angels, they're just like way less to pursue, you know, baneful magic and violence for petty reasons. 
because they haven't given into these powers of darkness. So they will be more, you know, compelled to act with compassion or like just in self-defense. Um, but then at the same time, like I have lived through so many of these situations and, you know, there is no actual division like on the actual battlefield. It's like, it's like trying to say that in a war, like one side is virtuous and the other side is the villains. Like, no, you're freaking shooting at each other and killing each other. Like you're the, you're the same, you're engaging in the same thing. And it, it makes me marvel when I see people nowadays eating up all the wartime propaganda, which comes out with every single war. And they think it's like being a fan of a football club. Like, am I a fan of this uh, green color football club or this blue color football club? I will put it on my t-shirt. I'm a cool guy, you know, I will shout a slogan. No, it's a fucking war. People are dying. Lives are being ruined. It will be felt for generations. And you dumbasses are acting as if it was a football match. Yeah. So I just I just don't hold a whole lot of faith in humanity when I see stuff like that. And let's argue about black and white magic because that to me at least makes some sense. Like we can, you know, like we can gain something from this age old feud and rehashing it. the age-old feud and rehashing yeah well hopefully a few of you will go check out jake stratton's kent's patreon we know i'm sure his family could use support and all that blessings to him we'll send off the love of jesus and osiris and beelzebul to jake stratton kent <laughs> um but yeah no really folks uh amazing scholar and i hope i hope you explore more after uh, that fun little post, which I, it seems like you agree with, essentially. Um, oh, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's always good to study history because history has been obfuscated, interpreted, lied about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I ran it by uh, my, my mother, who's you know, raised me very much. I was very much raised in the occult like you were, uh, just in a different variety. I, I grew up yogic in the yogic Eastern Maharishi tradition. My parents were Maharishi, oh. you know, which was wonderful, you know, cause it meant all I did was meditate, you know, and, and, you know, I had no idea what churches were Christianity or any of that stuff. And so eventually I find around six, five, six, seven, eight, I started to find out that's what other people did. And uh, it seemed very odd to me, you know, it's like, why would you go to this church when you could just sit down and meditate and uh, say your mantra and connect with, you know, but, what was my point? <laughs> I think I actually lost track of it. Um, oh, I ran it by her, the, the right-hand, left-hand path thing as being um, sort of nonsense in, in, in Western magic. And she and I was surprised by her answer, very surprised, because she was like, well, it's not in the East. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Well, of course, since it came through Blavatsky and was you know, promulgated by her, well, of course, it makes sense that it's from the east and again i'd sort of turned my back on eastern stuff and went into 
you know, Judeo-Christian stuff in my teens because it, it has a, it has a different way. meaning there. You know, it has a different meaning. It, it still maintains like some elements, but it's like via positiva and via negativa of like knowing God. Like you either know what God is or you explore everything that God isn't like all the abominable acts that black magicians have been engaging in. And I guess you can get enlightened like that as well. There's stories of it, you know, of Zen masters who would drink so much that they would stop being drunk and then nothing would affect them physically and they would just engage in all the most uh, shocking actions because they were enlightened. Like the yogis, you know, who snare shit all over themselves, they sleep rough, they swear off all the all their positions. Um, like that's the left-hand path, the, the Aghori, um, hermits of, of India, they still exist. Hmm. Meditate upon corpses in cemeteries. Yeah. So it's an interesting contention that 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 dichotomy doesn't play out historically in the West and, and is really something that was superimposed on it with Blavatsky and and the the rise the slow hundred year rise through the new age that we've sort of seen. Which we have currently, you know, we we had folk magic and witchcraft the entire time. We had the witchcraft revival, and we have what I personally believe is just like groups of people reincarnating who just come up with the right ideas at the right time, and then it's revived from from practitioners. Practitioners start talking to demons, they write grimoires, they describe beings that were never described before. People start calling them, you know, and, and then the ball gets rolling. So like the tradition, it's, it's found in books, it's found in families, bloodlines, folklore, oral traditions. And sometimes it just seemingly comes out of nowhere and then it's right there and then it's everywhere. Yeah. That's for sure. Hmm. Well, um, do you want to tell people uh, how they can find you and support you and all of that? And we'll do a, we'll stick around after we'll, we'll pretend to say goodbye and stick around for a little bit. Yeah, sure. No, um, you can, you can type my name into Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, Animanora, or you can hit up the website inner-ignition.net where all of my occult essays are published all right occult essays you should have mentioned that's what was on there first i could have read some of them <laughs> i guess Next you just time. looked at the pictures <laughs> yeah. um no sorry it's i've had a very uh hectic life like i had covid the other month and then i had an infection right after that now oh, i have my. to get a tooth pulled out because i can't afford six grand for the cost which it's not free in canada despite what Sanders keeps telling people um yeah no <laughs> one tooth can bankrupt us as easily as it can you guys I think that's crazy that, yeah. that's like well it's how you never it's how you never get ahead so it's like so you save up five ten grand then you have a tooth boom there it's gone you know there's your savings gone or you lose the tooth it's a not a great system we have here up in Canada I mean as proven by the fact that we're still you know banned from traveling um, yeah, so 
we're ending on a happy note because it's an episode on Satanism, black magic, left-hand path, Luciferianism, <laughs> aliens, underground reptilians, Epstein's <laughs> temple, orgy sacrifices, and all the fun stuff that you come to magic without fears for. Hopefully it has been a fear, fearless podcast. I feel like you have been a great person to talk to about all this stuff. And I feel like we actually went on a little journey together. Um, and I'm really glad that was possible, especially on uh, as little sleep as I had being sucked into the second edition of Jake Stratton Kent's True Grimoire. That's right. It's a great fucking book. You should go out and buy it. Um, unless you're just not ready for uh, demons yet, which uh, to all my white brethren out there. Oh, that sounds bad. Hey, white brethren. Oh, my God. That's the, that's the clip that's going to get clipped. And then someone puts it's like, yeah, I know I was it was it's not a good era to be born as a white dude. Yeah, really not. I missed out. Should have been born in 48. Could have seen all of Zeppelin and Clapton. Anyway, thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, cheers. Uh, go to Patreon, folks, if you want some bonus wild stuff that we're going to do right now. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature, as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.